We're at the end of a series about how we communicate with God, and we're taught, we, we named the series Hello, and I brought my phone today because at my house, I have an upstairs and a downstairs, and there's one room, I counted our rooms yesterday, we have 11 rooms in our house, five on the bottom floor, six on the top floor, and there's one room where we don't get very good reception. It's the kitchen, it's kind of back and in the middle, and, and we have a certain internet and we have a certain cell phone provider and we're kind of on the edge of their service. And so when I'm talking to Miriam and she's in the kitchen, it sounds something like, and so it sounds like that, okay? Now I can imagine falling down, and by the way my phone does the same thing. Can you imagine falling in the kitchen? You call 911 911, what's your emergency? I, I, and that, I, I mean, they're going to think that a Martian has called them. And I was thinking to myself, I, I'm going to have to army crawl out of the kitchen just to get reception because every other room is okay, but the kitchen stinks. But I came up with a solution. This is the solution. Uh, I understand you can get a little button, you can push it, and you can say, I've fallen and I can't get up. So, uh, you know, at least there's a solution, but... Connectivity is really, really important. So, let's review just a little bit. We talked about a couple of things in this series. The first week we talked about the fact that we either want to be receptive or we don't. We either want to hear from God or we don't. And, and it's kind of up to us because God is always speaking. And sometimes we listen and sometimes we don't. And then we talked about that God speaks to us primarily in four different ways. Now, he speaks to us in lots of ways, but these are the four main ways. And, and the mainest main way is the Bible, and then through preachers and teachers, and then through pain. God shouts at us through our pain sometimes, through impressions. And we went through last week, we talked about how to discern if an impression was from God or not. So today we're going to talk about, okay, how do I get in the right room? If I want, my heart is open to receiving God's word. I, I'm, I'm, I'm eager, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to hear God. But you have to get in the right room. Uh, when I was 20 years old, I did a summer mission trip to southeast Oklahoma. A place called Hugo was sort of our hub. And we went to the metropolis of Broken Bow, Broken Arrow. Everything in southeast Oklahoma is broken, evidently. But a, a lot of broken stuff and we'd go to little towns, and we would do different things, and we would work in uh, vacation Bible schools and those sorts of things. But it was a time where it was long before you had cell phones. It was long before you had you know, lots of cable television. And so I remember it was probably the time in my life where I communicated and received communication for God more than any other time. And honestly, it was mostly because I didn't have anything else to do. I would read my Bible for hours because it was kind of boring. And you'd work for a bit, but then you'd be done. And, and I had my buddy Mike Wilson there, and we would do some things. But, but then there was nighttime, and you could read your Bible. And it was sort of a, a, a nice time for me. Now, it's funny, 10 weeks in southeast Oklahoma, and I got really close to God. But when I came back, you know what happens when you come back to your routine? You have a routine, and, and there were games to play, and there were girls to date, and there were things to do, and, and, and there was stuff going on, and, 
my hyper-connectivity while I was in southeast Oklahoma became hyper-disconnectivity because I wasn't as connected as I had been in Oklahoma. Now, today we're going to look at a guy named Habakkuk. <laughs> it's a guy, a prophet from the Old Testament. If you want to try to find that, good luck. Uh, I would use the index if it was me. Habakkuk, can you imagine what his nickname was? I mean, how do you, how do you have a nickname? Uh, Cuck? I, I mean, I don't know what it is. Habby? Uh, whatever it was. Anyway, Habakkuk, he shows us what to do to get in the right room to hear God's voice. So if I'm not, being, uh, not hearing God as clearly as I want, this text today is going to help us get in the right room. Now, there are some prerequisites. You, if you ever went to college, you know how this works. For me, it would be like, before I could take you know, comp- computational neuroscience, I had to write it down because I can't even say it. Uh, before I could take computational neuroscience 2, I had to complete computational neuroscience 1. You know what I'm saying? Before I could take uh, quantum physics, I had to take peon physics, or whatever was before that, right? So you had to take little something, there's a prerequisite from one to the other, Okay? All right, so there's a prerequisite here. In fact, there are three of them. Let's talk about them. They're on your outline, but we're going to talk about them. First and foremost, I have to believe that God really cares about the details of my life. And I'm so glad that you're here and welcome to you. And honestly, today, maybe the only thing you needed to hear was that God is interested and cares about the details of your life because there are people who don't pray because they're afraid they're bothering God. and He's he's not worried about that, or he doesn't care about that, or that's so minor, I'm not going to ask him about that. And we say these things, and honestly, I think people believe them, but Jesus said, don't worry, and ask yourselves, will we have anything to eat? Will we have anything to drink? Will we have any clothes to wear? Only people who don't know God are always worrying about such things. Your Father in Heaven knows that you need all these things. God knows that you need food. He knows that you need clothing. Miriam and I are, are so uh, fortunate. We are hosting a couple of girls from China today. And they're on the front row. And we're so happy. And they introduced us to chopsticks. Have you eaten with chopsticks? Um, they, these girls are great. Uh, I mean, they are, they are great. Uh, I, Miriam is really not good. And... Uh, um, I think you're not supposed to stab stuff, which is what I end up doing. But last night, I was, I was eating, I was eating uh, some food, little pieces of food with my chopsticks. Now, I'm just going to tell you, uh, I am a baller when it comes to chopsticks. I, I really, I own them. I own the chopsticks. Uh, tonight, at Chili Cook-Off, I'm going to bring chopsticks, because that's how confident I am in my chopsticking skills. But anyway... The thing about chopsticks is, um, they're, they're, if you don't know them, it takes a lot of work. And I've decided that I'm going to go on the chopstick diet. Here's why. Because I got tired before I got full. Uh, really, that's kind of how it worked for me. And so, I think it's a great plan. And that, that's, that's going to be my strategy. But the whole point is, God knows what we need. right? He knows what we need. And so, he's... He's intimately interested in every detail of our lives. We've really got to get our minds around this because it really helps us. He, he cares about the details of my life. So when I ask for things, I should ask 
Specifically, James says, if you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. I mean, it's pretty simple. The Bible over 20 times says, ask. Just ask. If you don't know, ask. And the third thing is, then you have to believe he'll answer. You ask specifically. And so instead of saying, um, God, what do you want me to do? It, it's better to say, God, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think? Can you guide me here? I'm moving in a direction. Will you steer me one way or the other? That, that's what you could do. In James 1, it says, when you ask, be sure that you really expect. Because here's what happens. When I expect God to answer, when I expect Him to answer, I'll pray like I expect Him to answer. If I don't expect Him to answer, then it's kind of just an exercise in futility. But when I pray, if I really believe, number one, that he has my best interest at heart, he knows the details of my life, and he cares about them. Number two, I'm going to ask specifically. I'm going to ask God specifically to guide me on certain things. And number three, then I pray in such a way that I expect there'll be an answer. Now, you have to understand, and really this is incredibly important, God may not answer your, your requests the way you think he should. He may not answer it the way you hope. He, he may not answer it. We, we get in our mind the way God should perform. I, I have a, this notion that God should do this. Well, maybe God is, maybe, maybe God is smarter than us. Maybe. And maybe God sees it from a higher perspective than we do. And just maybe he knows more than we do and he knows what he's talking about. And even though we might ask for a certain thing, perhaps that's not the best thing for us. When my kids were little, if they were to ask me for ice cream for breakfast, I would have said no, because that's not what's best for them. Is there anything wrong with ice cream? Well, no, it's great. It's from God. I mean, God gave that to us. When we go to heaven, there... This is in the Bible. It's in Revelation. You have to dig. Uh, there are streets of gold, and there's an ice cream stand at the door. Uh, it's right there in Scripture. So you have to know, this is from God. There's nothing wrong with ice cream. However, 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 it's probably not best for your two-year-old for breakfast. And so, God sometimes says no to our requests because he knows more than we do. Okay, so... If you found Habakkuk, we're going to be in chapter 2. But let me set it up for you before we get to Habakkuk chapter 2. In Habakkuk chapter 1, he asks six specific, it's hard to say that in a row, six specific questions of God. I'll give you a couple of them, a couple of verses here. Now these aren't really nice questions, honestly. Uh, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? I mean... Habakkuk is throwing down with God. Kind of how that looks to me. Uh, Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? This is Habakkuk saying, what is up? I mean, I don't don't understand you, God. Bad stuff is happening all around us. Now, you've got to get this. This is really super interesting to me. Habakkuk lived 700 years before Jesus. That would be 2,700 years before us. 2,700 years ago, Habakkuk is looking at the situation that he was experiencing, and he was, able, he was saying, 
this place is whack. Why aren't you doing something? Now, I don't know if you've ever prayed that prayer, but do you realize that the world is still whack? We've made tremendous advancements in technology and knowledge. And yet, this is still a wacky world. Bad stuff happens all the time. Did you hear about this? This is the headline. 80 Nigerian Christians were slaughtered in an inhumane fashion. Victims described being hacked by machetes. This happened last week. We don't hear about it. All over the globe, all over the planet, there is sex trafficking going on. There are Christians who are being persecuted for their faith. Inhumane actions and activities occur all the time. It's not as if this world in 2,700 years has progressed to peace. We're still, whatever Habakkuk prayed, we could pray. Lord, how long must we call out for you for help and we're not getting it? Lord, why do you make us look at injustice? We could pray this prayer. We could pray these prayers. And six specific times, Habakkuk says, God, this is... This place is jacked up. This is really messed up here. Will you answer me? And then Habakkuk models for us what we do if we want to hear God's voice. If you want to get in the right room. If you want to get your phone where the reception is best. Then Habakkuk tells us how to do it. And he says this. And we'll, we'll break this down so... I will climb my watchtower and wait to see what the Lord tells, uh, will tell me to say and what answer he will give me to my complaint. The Lord gave me this answer. Write down clearly on tablets what I have revealed to you so that it can be read at a glance. So, let's, let's look. First thing you have to realize, Habakkuk, uh, remember our prerequisites? He believed God was, in, was cared about the everyday life. He believed that God was listening. Uh, he asked specifically, and then he expected God's answer. And he did five things. Let's talk about them. Number one, it says he got away. I will climb my watchtower. It's a Hebrew expression which basically means I will get alone. I'm going to quiet myself. I'm going to get alone, right? Jesus talked about this, but we're, we're, we're to get Alone. And, and sometimes we live in a world that's really, really difficult. I read this story a long time ago about Susan Wesley. Suzanne Wesley. Susanna Wesley. She was the mother of uh, Charles and, and John, and you may have heard of them. Charles Wesley wrote a bunch of hymns back in the 1800s, and John uh, sort of started the, the Wesleyan movement, the, the Methodist movement, and just great Christian men. Well, she had 18 kids. I know. I, I thought I thought I had more women go. Oh, I mean, that is a lot of that's a lot of children's right there. I mean, eighteen kids. Now, this is what her strategy for getting away. This is beautiful. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. She had a. They had a a sitting room, kind of a living room, and there was a rocking chair there. In the afternoon, she would sit in her rocking chair. She would take her apron and put it over her head. And every kid knew when mom is on the rocking chair with the apron over her head, she's alone with God and we're not to disturb her. Isn't that, I mean, that's really, where there's a will, there's a way. And so we just have to learn that we, we get away. Now here's, 
This thing right here, it was a great illustration to start with. It's going to be a good illustration right now. You cannot get away with your phone. Because what does your phone do? Um, I've got the ESPN app. When something big in sports happens, like happened last night, with Kentucky coming back from 15 points at halftime to beat the Rednecks from West Virginia, uh, when that happened, my phone buzzed. And you know what the sound is? I mean, I know. Now, I'm just going to be real honest with you. If I leave my phone on and I'm in prayer and I hear, I'm looking. Because that's what we do. We are like Pavlov's dog. And this thing jings and pings and wings and we come running. You cannot get away with your phone. You have to turn it off. I should have warned you. I'm glad you were all sitting when I said that. Uh, You have to turn it off. Some of you are in a cold sweat right now. Turn off my phone. Uh, Yes, yes, it's okay. There's a little knob on the side, a little button, and if you push it long enough, it goes off. And then you know what else? You push it long enough again, and it comes back on. You have to get away. Look at what it says about Jesus. He often withdrew to lonely places. He often withdrew to lonely places so he could pray. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I think Jesus is always our model. If Jesus had had a cell phone, I can guarantee you when he got away to lonely places, he didn't take his phone. You have to settle yourself. You have to eliminate and remove external distractions. Jesus taught, when you pray, go into your room alone, close the door, pray to your Father in private. You have to get away. So number one, you get away. Number two, you have to wait. This is also really difficult. Number one, it's really hard to get away because we like to be busy. So you get away, but then you also... God works on his own time frame, not on ours. Now, any hunters in the room? Hunters? Kill Bambi? Bambi killers? Okay. Right there, too. I see them. Yeah. Have you seen those little deer? They're so cute with the little ears. I mean, really. You shoot them, kill them. It's okay. After the service, we'll have a time of repentance. Anyway, all right. If you're a hunter... I've never been hunting. I've never been in one of these trees. So I really don't know exactly what happens up there. But I'm fairly certain when you sit in a tree stand, you don't take peanut brittle. Am I right? You don't take your radio or your phone. And you probably turn your phone off if you're in the tree. Is that right? Because the one thing you don't want the deer hearing is, no, 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 because they don't care. They don't care that Kentucky beat the snot out of West Virginia last night. They don't care about that. Those deer don't, but regular normal people do. Okay, so what you do when you're in a tree stand, best I can tell, now I've never done it personally, but the best I can tell, what you do is you sit and you wait. And you wait as long as it takes. Because you have an expectation that something good is going to happen. An innocent little animal is going to come by that you can kill. Uh, That kind of thing. So, 
I'm, I'm for hunting, by the way. I'm, I'm just teasing. Here's the thing we have to understand. God speaks to the person who takes the time to listen. <laughs> Hurry is absolutely the death of prayer. We want God to speak to us, and we want Him to speak to us now. If you are desperate in prayer, you will make time, you'll quiet yourself, you'll get alone, and you'll wait. And you'll wait as long as it takes, because you want to hear from God. And so Habakkuk says, I got into my tower, I, I, got, I got myself alone, and I waited And the implication is, I waited until God spoke. Because it was so important for me to hear from God that I waited until He spoke. Now, here's what happens sometimes in prayer for me. I don't know if it ever happens to you, but I'm going to tell you anyway, because it it might help you. Sometimes when I'm praying, I'll hear a voice in, in my spirit that will say, why would you expect God to answer you? You, you don't deserve an answer. You're not good enough to get an answer. I, I hear stuff like that. You ever have talk like that in your head? You know, I don't think that's from God. Remember, we talked about this last week. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But Satan will, will whisper in your ear, he doesn't care about you. He, you know, God, you're going to have to do more for God in order for him to answer this prayer. And you, you have to just... You have to flush that, because that's not from God. I can tell you this. There's nobody more eager to answer your prayer than God. I mean, His depth of love for us, when I said He cares about every detail of your life, He cares about every detail of your life. Jesus talked about numbering that very hairs on your head. I mean, that's quite the detail. He knows it all. He cares about every, every aspect of it. He cares about your life to such a degree, he's not going to whisper in your ear, you've got to do more, because he loves us. David had this amazing relationship with God. In fact, David was, man, that dude sinned in ways that you and I will never sin. He, He committed adultery, and then he had the woman's husband killed. He did things that make you blush. However, in Scripture, it talks about David. It says he was a man after God's own heart. He had a way of not just seeking forgiveness, but accepting forgiveness. It's a big thing to be able to accept God's forgiveness. And he wrote many of the Psalms. And in the Psalms, he talks about a couple things. This kind of, we're kind of going over it again, but let's talk about this. In Psalm 40, he says, be still and know that I'm God. There's something about, again, quieting yourself. You can't quiet yourself in a hurry. You have to kind of wait. The Bible tells us that David sat when he prayed. So you relax your body. Number one, you quiet yourself. And then you wait in silence. And here in Psalm 62, it says, My soul is quiet and waits for God alone. My hope comes from Him. It's hard to settle yourself in a hurry. And so, number one, we get alone. And number two, we wait. And we quiet ourselves. And if we want God to hear, the room we want to get into is going to be a room that's away from everybody else. And it's going to be a room that's quiet. A third thing that Habakkuk does, 
This is a super interesting text. Habakkuk 2 says, I will look to see what he says to me. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss uh, line. How do you look to see what he says to you? Don't you don't you hear what he says to me? Why would you look to see? That's an interesting phraseology. Why would he say it like that? Well, there's, there's a reason, by the way. When we're born physically, we, um, we get a, a set of senses. Sense of touch, smell, hearing, sight. What's the other one? Taste. Yeah, I knew it. I was just checking. Good, good. You're listening. Great. Well, when you become a follower of Christ, you get kind of spiritual senses, spiritual sensations. In Ephesians it says, I pray also that, there, that, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart. If you've ever read the Bible, and the cool thing about reading your Bible through is, for me, it's like I see stuff I hadn't seen before the other 500 times I've read it. There's kind of an aha moment for me sometimes. And that to me is this. When, when the eyes of my heart are opened, I see it for the first time, even though I've read it before. And so we pray, Jesus, um, when, when you're reading Scripture, is there anything you want to show me here that will help me here in, in this day, today? Mark Batterson is a great author, by the way. He wrote um, Circle Maker and, and uh, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, great books. And he wrote one uh, also called Wild Goose Chase. And though I haven't read it, I did read an excerpt. And he talks about a time where he was praying with a group of people. Uh, evidently somebody in the group who worked for InterVarsity Press or, that's not right, it was uh, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Uh, it was a group meeting at Georgetown College, no, Georgetown University in Washington, and this guy in the group who worked for at Georgetown said, I need a computer, I need a computer. And, and so Batterson starts to pray, and, and he talks about this. He, he's, he's praying about this, and it was as if he said, I'm, you know, I'm praying, God, provide you know, John with a computer. And he said, it's as if God said to me, why are you praying about this when you have an extra computer? And, and he writes this. I just think it's beautiful. He says, so I quit praying mid-sentence and told my friend I had a computer that I wanted to give him. I became the answer to my own prayer. That's what we're talking about here. When we pray, God opens up our eyes to see. Because some of us, do you know that about 70% of, of us are visual learners? We learn visually. I think that's why Habakkuk said, show me what you're, you're telling me. You know, it, All right. The Hebrew mind was like that too. Let, let's, let, we'll take a little, let, let's take a little jaunt to the right here just for a second. When, I want you to complete this sentence. Um, God is what? Love, good, emotions. You, you pick emotions. Americans pick emotions. If you were Hebrew, let me show you how you'd answer that question. God is, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He, he is a, that's a picture, right? You can see in your mind a consuming fire. God is a righteous judge. And so now you're thinking of the, the Supreme Court. Look at this one. The Lord is my what? He's a rock. He not only is a rock, he's my fortress. He's my savior. God is my rock. 
uh, in whom I find protection. He's my shield. And so when the Hebrew mind uh, answered the question, it wasn't an emotion, it was a picture. They they saw God as a picture. he's He's a rock, he's a fortress, he's a shield. And so when we quiet ourselves, we pray, God, show us the picture. Show us the picture. We, we want to see what you are saying to us. Then he does this. You write it down. Habakkuk says, the Lord gave me this answer. Write down clearly what I reveal to you. So I think it's a great practice to write down your prayers. So sometimes prayers, we get tired of them because we seem to ask the same thing over and over. I understand that. But when I write them down, it helps me see when God answers them. It helps me see how God answers them. It reveals to me that God is answering them. So in chapter 1, Habakkuk writes down, God, here, I have this grievance, and I, I have this question, and this question, and this question, and this question. And then in chapter 2 it says, and God answered me, and I wrote it down. great example is, is the book of Psalms. Uh, almost nearly every psalm, is somebody saying, God, why is this happening? And then they sit there and listen, and then they write down the answer. That's what Psalms look like to me, is that David or whoever is saying, God, I don't... Like David will ask, why are bad people getting good stuff? That doesn't make any sense to me. And then God will answer that question. Then when God answers, finally, we worship, we thank Him. Oh Lord, I've heard what you had done, and I am filled with awe. Many of us in the room are sports fans. We we like sports, and I, and I man, I get that. Football, basketball, um, baseball. We we like it. And 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 what do we do when somebody makes a, an amazing play? Like somebody makes a one-handed catch that's just amazing. Uh, somebody jumps up, they're a baseball player, and they jump up and they lean over the fence and they make the grab. And, and, and we, we can hardly stand ourselves. Uh, somebody uh, has a, a shot at the rim and it bounces off and then somebody comes flying in and dunks it on the rebound. And we cheer and we, you know what we do? <laughs> we worship because we are in awe. Because you want to know something? Ain't none of us catching a football at 100 miles an hour with one hand. We can't do it. There's not one of us jumping over a fence catching a baseball that's traveled 400 feet. Maybe you can, but aren't, there aren't many of us that can do that. There aren't any of us on a 10-foot goal getting a rebound and dunking. Ain't none of us. I can look at you, ain't none of y'all doing that. I, I'm sure. Unless you had a trampoline, you might be able to pull it off. None of us are doing that. We are in awe of somebody who did something that we can't do. That's okay. You should be in awe of that. That's okay. Worship is us in awe of a God who does things that we can't do. What Habakkuk did was, he said, God, I don't understand. I just don't understand. I'm confused. And I don't know about you, but I get confused. There are times when I get confused and I understand, I just don't understand what God's doing. I don't understand why life's happening this way. I don't get it. 
what I love about Habakkuk is he didn't just sit there. He, he wrote it down. God, I don't understand. Will you help me? Help me understand what's going on right here. Because I don't quite get it right now. I don't get it today. And then he got an answer. And it says, Oh Lord, I have heard what you've done. And I am filled with awe. And sometimes, and maybe often, and it might be always, just because we don't understand it, doesn't mean that God's not working. And just because we don't see it now, doesn't mean we won't see it sometime. God is working at His pace because His pace is the right pace. Here's what's interesting to me. There are basically three relationships you can have with God. You can sort of have a belief. There is a God. It's kind of, or a force, or, you know, something. An impersonal something, someplace. That's, that's, the, that's the lowest level. You kind of, there's sort of an understanding there's probably something out there. Then, then there's a, a, a next level, and that could be, you could be acquainted with the God of the Bible. You kind of know about him. You've heard of him. You've read some scriptures. You kind of know some stuff. That's sort of the next level. But the best level, and the level I think Habakkuk was on, and the level I think we want to be on, is the level of friendship. Look at what Jesus said. He's about to be crucified. He's talking to his disciples, and he says, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. You don't, you don't, I've got a plan, and you're just doing it because I told you to. But I have called you friends. For all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. We, we have this amazing opportunity and ability to be friends with our Heavenly Father. My dad passed away about 15 years ago. When I was young, my, my dad was, he was always a hero to me, but he was a little harsh sometimes. But as we got older... As I got older and he got older, we stopped being father and son as much as we became friends. We, we became, I don't know if they ever became buddies, but we became friends who could talk. He always knew more than me and I always asked him stuff. But there was a time where I didn't care what he thought. And then I grew into a time where I did care what he thought. And I would ask him, I, I miss that. Because I'd like to ask him stuff now about things. And I see my relationship with my Heavenly Father a little bit like that. You're a teenager, you're rebellious, you kind of, you know, I can do my own thing. You don't even have to be a teenager to be rebellious. I do my own thing and... And then there's, there was a point in my life where I started to care what my Heavenly Father said and thought. And because of that, it changed my relationship with Him. I think it's what Jesus is talking about here. Now I call you friend. You're my friend. You, Jesus was saying to His disciples, you are my friends.
because what my Father has told me, I've told you. I think it is an amazing thing that we fallible human beings have an opportunity to be a friend of a most holy creator of heaven and earth, God. There's no wonder that Habakkuk worshipped. There's no wonder that we worship. Because when we think about it in those terms, that my word, the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, cares about the details of my life and he will answer my prayers and I can be specific. The creator of the universe cares for you. It is it's remarkable, I think. Father, today we have been reminded that you love us and you care for us and that you are concerned for every detail of our life and it is amazing. And we thank you that you speak and today we've learned how we can get in the right room so we can hear you. And I pray, God, that we would put into practice what we've heard, that we would quiet and calm ourselves, that we would listen attentively, that we would wait with patience. And that when you answer, even if you answer in a way that we don't like, we can still be in awe of a God who hears our prayers and cares for our needs. We love you, Lord, and we pray that we could be filled with your Spirit so we can be ever closer to you as your friends. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.